Well, good morning, friends. Nice to see you all here this morning. So many of you. Actually, this, you know, we were about half full in the chapel this morning, and uh, I don't know, we'll have to see who won when we do the final codal. Now, this may make you flinch a little bit, but what I want to say to you first in response to this passage this morning is that you are an evangelist. You are an evangelist. There's already some shaking of heads. That's not my gift. There are a few gifts, and I won't name them this morning. Spiritual gifts, you know, that people will sometimes let me know in the church. That's not my gift. Usually it has to do with, okay, visiting a hospital room, giving money, or evangelism. (laughs) Not my gift. But how many of you have ever started a sentence with something like this? Have you ever seen... Or did you see, did you see that game last night? Did you see the helmet break? Has that ever happened before? Has the game ever been so cold, we're going to blame it on the cold, when a piece of a helmet would flick off like that? Did you see how many of our fans who got tickets for, you know, 1999 were able to be at that game and fill that stadium in negative 26 wind chill? Did you see that? I saw it from my couch. Or what about TV shows? Have you seen that show on Netflix, that show on Apple TV? Have you seen Lessons in Chemistry? Have you seen Ted Lasso? Have you seen 1883 or 1923 on Paramount Plus? Have you seen Only Murders in the Building? That's a great show on Hulu. Or what about food? Have you eaten there? Have you had an ice cream cone at Betty Ray's in Kansas City? I'm not sure how good that would be in negative 26 wind chill, but I'd venture a guess pretty good. Or what about bathrooms? Have you ever actually been to a Bucky's? Some of you have the shirts. I saw you wearing them at Christmas. I've heard, I don't remember if I've actually been to one, which is kind of astounding because I am from Texas, but, but I've heard they have the cleanest bathrooms you've ever seen. Come and see. If you've ever done anything like that, then you are a kind of evangelist for something. Well, John is also a kind of evangelist for something. The word evangelist or evangelism comes from the Greek word euangelion, which also means gospel or good news. The reading you heard a moment ago from John's euangelion is supposed to be the beginning of that kind of good news. John is more than an author. John is more than telling us a story. He's telling us about something that he has found himself caught up in, and he believes that if you get a glimpse of this, you'll find yourself caught up in it too, and you'll want to. You don't want to miss this, John is saying. You you just need to give it a chance to see what all the fuss is about. I promise you, you'll be glad you did. Just come and see. Come and see what it's all about. Come and see what I'm trying to show you. Come and see. What is it that he's hoping that we will come and see? Well, really everything, but he names a few specific things in this particular passage. First, 
John wants us to see the Jesus in the story he is telling you about, and he wants you to see him as he sees him. And he makes that very clear from the beginning. From beginning to end, he wants you to understand who you are looking at. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made that have been made. Without him nothing has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then a few verses later, the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. Now we heard this from John on Christmas Eve as we celebrated the very moment when the Word first became flesh and dwelled among us. But John wants us to see far more than Christmas. John intends for us to see far beyond Christmas because what John wants us to see, and he's setting this up, is that this is what it looks like for the Word to become flesh in every moment of human existence. This is what this gospel story is all about. John wants us to see what it looked like in every situation where Jesus became like us so that we could become like him. This is how it unfolded. This is what it looked like. John wants you to come along and see. But that's not all that John wants you to see. John doesn't just want you to see Jesus in this story, but John also wants you to see Jesus in the whole story of Scripture. Did you hear that in that passage? Verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. The one Moses wrote about and the one the prophets wrote about. Do you remember that in Isaiah or Exodus? See, what he wants you to see, and this is not a unique moment. We see this in other places in the New Testament as well. He wants you to see Jesus as the early Christians saw Jesus as they looked anywhere and everywhere in the Hebrew Scriptures and found him there. And they aren't the only ones. I listen to a podcast uh, fairly often by a group called The Bible Project, whose guiding mission is this, to help people experience the Bible as a unified story that leads to Jesus. To help people experience the Bible as a unified story that leads to Jesus. It's a great podcast, actually. We also give uh, our children, when they're dedicated, a children's Bible that is shaped by a similar conviction. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And the subtitle of the Jesus Storybook Bible is, Every Story Whispers His Name. And that's what you see, even in the Old Testament stories, this turn or this pointing toward Jesus. For example, here's how they ended the story about Adam and Eve's sin and exile from the Garden of Eden. Well... In another story they wrote on one page, that would have been the end. But you turn the page. But not in this story. You see, no matter what, in spite of everything, God would love God's children with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever kind of love. And then it goes on to hint at the kind of rescue the world would eventually experience through Jesus. Jesus. 
And this is the kind of thing that John is hoping you will see when you come to the Scriptures. In many ways, it's like the stereogram on the front of your worship guide. Did you all see this? I mean, did you really see it? Have you looked at it yet? I was warned a couple of times this week that if I had this put on the front of the worship guide, this is all people would be doing through the entire sermon, trying to see what's in there. But did you see what was in there? Did anybody see what was in there? Some of you did. Shout it out. Because he's everywhere. Jesus. That's right. You saw what you were supposed to see. Heather reminded me that these have been called magic eyes or hidden images. But for years, see, people would put these things in front of me in classes and other places, and everybody in the room around me would be going, oh, I see it. Look at the dolphin, you know, just jumping right off the page or something like that. And I would look and I would look and I would rest my eyes and look beyond the picture and do all sorts of things. And for decades, I've never been able to see the image emerge from one of these until last Thursday. Last Thursday, it finally happened, and then I I looked at another one, and it happened again, and it happened again, and once you see it, you really can't unsee it. And John believes this is the kind of thing that will happen to you when you start to look for Jesus in Scripture, that you'll both see him and that you'll see that all of it is ultimately pointing to him. And that's not all John wants you to see. John wants you to see Jesus in the story he's telling. And John wants you to see Jesus in the story Scripture is telling. But John also wants you to see Jesus in a way that is up close and personal for each and every single one of you. And this is what verse 38 is pointing us to in this passage. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? By the way, Jesus may be asking a lot of you this morning that question. What is it that you want? What do you want? Jesus asked. And they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? What do you want? Rabbi, where are you staying? And Jesus replied, come and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. Now, what did they want? They wanted to see where Jesus was staying. They wanted to see what Jesus was seeing. They wanted to see as Jesus was seeing. And in a similar way, this is the kind of thing that prompted me to plan part of my own sabbatical a couple of years ago uh, to spend in the Holy Land. I wanted to spend part of my sabbatical seeing the kinds of things that Jesus saw. Not just those special holy sites, but the even holier sites of things like the physical sites, the skyline, the sun setting over the Sea of Galilee, the image of of the land from, from the water, from the shoreline. I wanted to see and be impacted by the things that Jesus saw. And I also knew when I did this, and I'd learned from past experience, that when I went and did this, I didn't want to do this alone. I didn't want to do this alone because a few years ago I had a class uh, on the holy island of Lindisfarne in uh, England, right by England and Scotland, and I went over for the class a couple of days early by myself, and I was walking around London by myself and getting on and off one of those buses, and it was great, but it was not as great as it could have been. 
Because what, what I wanted, I found, is that when I saw something astounding, I wanted to be able to turn to someone next to me who I know and say, did you see that? Gosh, what, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Do you, are you experiencing what I'm experiencing? I wanted to be able to look at Christy and say, hey, do you see that? And she said, yeah, I saw that. And let's talk about it because I knew when I went to the Holy Land after that experience, I wanted to go with someone because when you go and experience these things with someone, it's magnified when you can share the experience. And this is rooted in the same reality that makes our faith so much richer when we share it with one another, which is how Jesus designed us to share it, to experience life and faith in community. That's why we belong to something Jesus called the church. And Jesus also came not only so that we could experience it in that way, but so that we could experience it personally as an individual as well. In fact, you experiencing a relationship with Jesus personally was probably what John had in mind here when he wrote what these disciples wanted to see when they said they wanted to see where Jesus was staying. The word staying here is used about 40 times after this in John's gospel. And it can also be translated remaining or abiding. It's what the word Jesus used in John 15 when he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, John is hoping his gospel will wake us up to the fact that the living Christ can be seen and can be known, not just through this gospel, and not just through the scriptures, but through a personal relationship with Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit living among us and living within us. Believing that as you grow in this relationship with Jesus... You'll more than see Jesus, you'll begin to see what Jesus sees, and you'll begin to see as Jesus sees. And this is what happens when our soul gets what our soul truly wants. To see, and to stay, and to remain, or to abide with Jesus. Where there is always more and more and more to see. Would you like to see more of Jesus? Would you like to see more from Jesus? None of us has seen it all. None of us knows it all. None of us has experienced it all. Not yet. Not all of Jesus. No, because with Jesus, there's always more for us to see. Some things come quickly. We see them almost instantly. Other things, if we see them at all, take years like a souped-up stereograph image. For years, no matter how hard we worked at it, no matter how hard we tried, no matter how many people coached us, we just couldn't see it until one day we can. We see it, and then we have to share it, because being able to turn to others we know and love and say, did you see that, only makes the experience richer for us too. And John, the evangelist, hopes we'll all come to see and experience all of that. And in fact, that's 
what he meant at the end of his gospel when he tells us exactly why he wrote it. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. What have you seen today? What do you want today? What euangelion have you sensed Jesus inviting you to share or do today? Listen closely. Look around. Because the living Christ is even closer to you now than you think. Holy Christ, help us not to miss you. Help us not to miss what you want us to see all around us. Help us not to miss the opportunity to see as you see and what you see. Help us not to miss the opportunity to experience the life with you that is truly life. This we pray for your name, in your name, and for our own sake. Amen.